Well, good morning, church. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and that you are looking forward to the next uh, number of weeks as you uh, celebrate this uh, Christmas season and uh, gather with family, friends, and also think about what it means for Jesus to have come and for him to return. That's what Advent season is all about. For the next six weeks, from now until the end of the year, we're going to talk about something that uh, all of you will know that you need to do, but my guess is you probably don't do it enough. It's not go to the doctor. It's not go to the dentist. It is instead to say thanks. So you know that you should say thank you. You know that it's polite. You know that it's socially acceptable. But the question is, do you understand why gratitude or a heart of gratefulness is so important? If you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna help you see over the next number of weeks that this attitude of gratefulness is actually the heart of what it means for you to understand the gospel. In other words, if you know what Jesus has done for you and if you have received him and know that your sins are forgiven, then gratitude Gratefulness, thanksgiving, flows from this beautiful well of God's grace in your life. If you're not yet a Christian, I hope even today that you'll see that the goodness, the kindness of God is meant actually to lead you to what the Bible calls repentance. For you to see that the good gifts that God gives to you every single day, even this morning, your heart is beating, your, your lungs are filling with air, you're alive today, and that isn't because of you but instead because of God's kindness to you and that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Amen. Today I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Colossians. We're going to start here today and we're gonna begin in Colossians chapter one, but I'm gonna kinda give you an overall tour of this idea of gratitude. So today's message is gonna be anchored in Colossians 1, but it's gonna be much more topically based, and you'll need your Bible, because we're gonna go all the way from Genesis, all the way through uh, into the New Testament, to the book of Romans as well. Today we're going to look at the goal of gratitude, the goal, the goal of having a grateful heart. The next week, Pastor Nate's gonna help us understand the God of gratitude. How is it that our understanding of God needs to be developed if we're gonna have grateful hearts? And then what does it mean to practice giving, not just financial giving, but giving of thanks? And then we're gonna talk just before Christmas about the subject of grumbling. Hmm. A problem in the context of all people of God at some point in time, and in the case of Israel, was endemic to their life. And then we're gonna talk about the gospel on Christmas Eve and then conclude the year with what does it mean that God has given us grace for everything that we face? So the aim of this series is to help you understand the deep significance of this theme of gratitude for the life of a believer. And in so doing, what I also want you to do even today is to evaluate your present level of gratitude. Because candidly, there's some of you in this room who just the last few days, you've talked more about what didn't go right than what did go right. You spent a lot more time talking about the annoying relative than you talked about the really wonderful relative. You talked more about the problems in life than you have the blessings of life. One of my theories even as to why some pastor's kids kind of go off the rails 
is because they hear too much about all the problems in the church. This isn't the only reason, but they hear too much about the problems of the church. They don't hear about the blessings of the church. See, some of you, your lives are filled right now, presently, with all kinds of levels of anxiety, gloominess, fear. Some of you struggle with bitterness. And one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons may very well be is because the thing that you are just obsessed with is what isn't right in your life. And I'll admit, yeah, that's not right. But you're not focusing on all the things that are incredibly good, incredibly grace-oriented. Some of you may have an orientation, just kind of how you're wired and personality-wise, that you kind of look at life with a sort of glass, half-full sort of perspective. You see a glass, you're like, water level, it's half-full. Others of us, myself included, see opportunity and we see it half empty, not negatively, but we see it as an opportunity for something to be even better. So whenever I go on a family vacation, I'm always thrilled with what we did, but I always think about how it could have even been better, right? Sometimes that can then go pretty south, can go sour, can be really negative as we start to reflect on everything that's broken instead of the things that have been so good. So I'm actually preaching this series because I need this series. I'm preaching this series because I wanna grow in what it means to have a grateful and thankful heart. And so today we're gonna to consider what is the goal in considering gratitude, or why should we be thankful? And what I wanna do is give you a definition today of what gratefulness is. I wanna help you understand the malfunction of gratitude then I want to make some applications and have you really take some inventory today as to where you are on sort of the scale of gratitude and thanksgiving. So we'll start in Colossians. Now we're sort of parachuting into Colossians chapter 1, and there's a few things you need to know about this book. First and foremost, the book of Colossians is amazing. If you're looking for a place to read in your Bible beginning next year, go to Colossians because at the end of the day, this book is about Jesus. It's about the centrality of who Jesus is. The church at Colossae was planted by the Apostle Paul during his third missionary journey, likely when he was in the city of Ephesus. And then while remaining there for three years, he made excursions out to various cities and planted this uh, church. Um, sorry, it was likely planted by a guy that he sent there named Epaphras, who was interestingly enough a native of that city and then went back to his hometown in order to plant the church there. Paul writes this letter to this church while he's imprisoned in Rome, and he writes in order to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus and to help them walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which God has called them. So this book is incredibly important. Those of you who were here in 2008 when I first came to College Park, this is the very first book that we ever walked through. We talked about the core and what it meant for Christ to be preeminent. This is a special, special book. So how would we think about a definition of gratitude? Look at verse nine. Paul says this, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
For what purpose? Here it is. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And then here comes the key little participial phrase. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Now go up to verse 3. Paul leads off this letter with this very theme of gratitude. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So it's really important for you to notice that Paul doesn't say in this letter, we wanna thank you for how godly you are. He doesn't say, we wanna commend you for your godliness. We wanna thank you for your faithfulness. No, look at what he says in the text. He says, we always thank who? God. We always thank God. And the same thing in verse 12, giving thanks to you. No, verse 12 says giving thanks to the Father. So by way of a definition, here's a way to think about what gratitude is, that gratitude essentially is this. Gratitude is amazement with God. It's amazement with God. The idea is that gratitude is the kind of behavior, it's the mindset where all of the roads lead back to wonder and to worship. Where the thoughts that you have about what God does, and we're gonna unpack this in a moment, lead you to consider not just the gift or the goodness of what has been received, but actually lead you to think about and ponder the supremacy of God above all things. That things, leads you to marvel at the power of God. So that these, these gifts cause you to think about and to stand amazed at who God is. So you can think of gratitude this way, amazement with God, or also gratitude is simply the right response to both who God is and what he has done. Amen. So gratitude is the right response to who God is and what he's done. So if you understand who God is, there's gonna be gratitude. If you understand what God has done, there's going to be gratitude, such that a lack of gratitude isn't just bad theology. No, a lack of gratitude is actually idolatry, where we think that somehow we deserve something different, better than what God has already provided. So in the opening chapter of the book, Paul draws a direct line between what is happening in the church and God's grace in them. So he sees what's going on in them and he marvels not just at the, the things that are happening in the church, but he marvels at that God would do those things in the church. Let me show you this in verses nine to 14. Notice the way in which the things that Paul describes here are things that God does to them. He's not commending them for their activity, but rather he's marveling at what God is doing in the church. Look at verse nine. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And then what does he pray for them? He's asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So it's not just that they would understand, it's not just that they would have spiritual wisdom, but it is that they would be filled Notice that this is something that God has to do in them. He says that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. None of that is possible without what's been said previously. He says, fully pleasing to him, and then says this 
makes this statement, bearing fruit in every good work. One of the reasons the Bible talks about bearing fruit is because of the activity that seems to have happened, but actually that activity is based upon something else that's behind the scenes. So the bearing of fruit is not necessarily credited to the church, but rather that God is bearing fruit in them and through them. And then he says, verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So he wants them to be strengthened. So notice, they need to be filled, they need to be strengthened. And then in verse 12, this is a present active participle, which means this is the kind of behavior that in light of what's been said in the past should characterize them. This is what they should be doing all the time in light of the fact that they are being filled with the knowledge of God, that they are walking worthy of the calling that God has placed upon them, and that they are being strengthened with all power. He says that they should give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance in the saints in light. And then he talks about the essence of the gospel. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So while all of these things are happening in this church, while Paul sees their growth, while he sees the uh, beautiful walking, he sees the way in which they're spiritually growing, he sees all of those things And Paul sees that and he thanks God for that work in them. He doesn't commend them. He commends God's grace in them. There's a world of difference. And the difference between a mindset of gratitude and a mindset of ingratitude is whether or not you see the connection between what is happening and what God is doing. To be ungrateful is just to simply see the things that are happening and make no connection to God himself which is why, as I'll show you in a moment, the essence of what it means to understand the beauty of the gospel is to regularly make the connection, a thing to the creator, a a reality to who God is. And the essence of idolatry is to terminate that connection. I have all these good things and I just think, well, I deserve it. I'm awesome. This is the way it should be. This is right. I should have Perfect thanksgivings with excellent turkey. That's the way that it rolls. This is what humanity was designed for, our greatness. And the Bible says, yeah, that's like awful. That's the essence of what idolatry is. This word, verse 12, giving thanks, is a very, very important word. I'm gonna draw this out on a board here so you can understand it and see the construction of this Greek word. It is the word, Eucharisto. Now, this word is the word for giving thanks. But in order to understand this word, you need to see three parts of it. This part over here makes it the participle, makes it active. This is the central word within the word, and this is the word for grace. A form of this word is also the word for joy. And then what's interesting is the word thanks takes the word you and attaches it to the word grace, and the word you is the word good. So if you know of a a eulogy, 
It's the word logos, meaning word, you meaning good, a good word. So it's a good word about somebody who has deceased. Well, why is this important? Because thanksgiving means, or offering gratitude, simply means that I'm taking the grace that I'm receiving and I'm acknowledging the grace that I've received as that which it is, namely good. So gratitude is not just receiving the gift, gratitude is acknowledging the goodness of the gift that I have received. So when God gives grace, when he gives joy, when he gives gifts, gratitude is acknowledging the goodness of that which God has provided. So again, it's not just enough to have received, but rather to regularly take that good grace that God has given us and talk about it, to affirm it, to say that it is in fact good. So I was traveling recently and I happened to hear um, this statement in the midst of a security protocol. When you see something, finish the sentence, say something. Now this is designed to be a security, kind of a negative thing. If you see something suspicious, you should say something about it. When you see something, say something. Here's the theme that I want you living in for the next month. When you see grace, say thanks. When you see grace, say thanks. This requires two things. It requires first, a regular identification of the grace that you have received and secondly, a commitment to talk about the goodness that you have been given. It's one mistake to not understand or see the grace. It's also a mistake to not talk about the grace. Now, let me show you this in a couple other texts. Take your Bible and let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. I want you to see how prevalent this is. This is not just the way that ta Paul talks to the church at Colossae. This is also the way that he talks to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. I'll begin in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. So who's he giving thanks to? Is he thanking them? No, he's giving thanks to God for them. In the case of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus takes the, the loaves and the fishes and the text tells us that Jesus, when he had given thanks, so even Jesus on earth recognizes the grace gifts of the Father and he returns thanks for it. Many of you may pray before a meal. Do you know why you do that? We even talk about it this way. You may say, would somebody pray? Others of you would say, would someone please say what? Grace, right. What you're doing is you're, you're saying grace. You're, you're identifying this is grace. I'm pronouncing over these things grace. This isn't just food. This is God's provision. I'm seeing a thing and I'm saying this thing is from God, it's a grace. And when I define it as a good thing and say this is from you, that's gratefulness. To just eat or just walk about life receiving all sorts of gifts without acknowledging them is not gratefulness. In fact, this is supposed to be so much a part of our life. Go to Colossians chapter three and look at verse 17. This is supposed to characterize 
every aspect of who we are if you're a follower of Jesus. Colossians 3 and verse 17 says this, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And sometimes we stop there. Well, what does it look like to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? Well, it looks like the second half of the verse which says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, one of the ways that Christians live and one of the ways that they do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus is recognizing that all that they have and all that they are and all they consume and all they see and all they breathe and all they live and all they enjoy is only because of the grace of God. So they look at their life and they're like, grace, 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 grace. Um, that's hard. Grace, 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 right? And you'll see later that they even say grace over the hard things. They say to God, this is really difficult, and yet I know somewhere in this there is grace. William Cooper said that behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Christians believe even behind clouds that seem to be dark, there's grace behind those clouds. There's stuff that God is doing that I don't even fully see. And then go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse four, this is one of the clearest texts that talks about the priority of thankfulness and gratefulness and its connection to the grace of God. He says this, I give thanks, here it is again, to my God for you, why? I give thanks to my God always for you, why? Because of the grace that was given you in Christ Jesus. There it is. Church, that couldn't be any more clear and evident in its connection to Eucharisto. I thank God for the grace in you. And so what gratefulness is, is the acknowledgement, the amazement of what God has done for us, not just in the person and work of Christ, but in everything that we have is an entire act of God's grace. So do you know how much grace you've consumed already this morning? I mean, you're here, most of you look pretty solid, um, got cleaned up today, you had a vehicle that could get you here, or you had a friend, you're sitting with people who aren't accosting you or making fun of you that you're in church. I mean, there's all kinds of grace. There's a beautiful sunrise that came up in Indianapolis. There wasn't any snow on the ground, praise God. There was, I mean, all, all sorts of things. Maybe some of you woke up this morning, you're like, my family is gone, what a grace. Some of you thought about the, 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 the wonderful experience you had over the last few days, and you can think of really sweet moments that you enjoyed. What the Bible calls you to is to recognize how much grace you're given, in some cases that you don't even realize. I was thinking of this in light of a video I saw a number of months ago. For a while on social media, there was this offer for glasses that could um, help you if you were colorblind to see colors. And then they had videos of adults when they put on those glasses and suddenly they saw things like they had never seen it before. And there's this one video segment of an older guy, probably about 50, 55 years old, and he put on those glasses and they filmed him and the joy of what he saw was like he was a four-year-old little boy. And he looked, and down the road there was a truck, and it was a red truck. 
And he said to his wife and daughter, look, it's a truck. It's a red truck. Look, it's a red truck. And his joy and his enthusiasm was like he was four years old. And it was laughable because he was an adult man acting with the joy of a four-year-old beholding the beautiful red truck that he'd never seen before. Listen, this is what children do. They give us beautiful eyes to see the world that as adults we tend to lose over the course of our lifetime. We tend to lose the beauty of a sunrise. We lose the beauty of the laughter of children in our home. And here's how you know you're starting to miss it because you don't recognize how valuable those things are until they're gone. And then you start to think, I should have been more grateful. And then regret comes in. And some of you, if you're not careful, you're living so low on the gratitude scale that eventually you're gonna come to a point in your life where you realize I spent so much time complaining about wasn't true that I never took careful inventory as to how gracious God really was. So, by definition, gratitude means amazement with God. It means to call the gifts of God good. We don't make them good. We just acknowledge their goodness by identifying them as good. That's what we do. So that's the first thing. That's the definition. Now I want to show you the malfunction. Quickly, go to Genesis chapter 3. What's interesting is that in the Garden of Eden, we have the malfunction of humanity, not just in getting a hold of that which they shouldn't have, but at the source of what they wanted was the problem of ingratitude. Verse one, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And this serpent, the embodiment of Satan, said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was the desire to be made one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Ann Voskamp in her excellent book on gratitude says this, Satan wanted more. More power, more glory. And ultimately, in his essence, Satan is an ingrate. He sinks his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve simply painfully, ungratefully, did not acknowledge what God gave. And she says, isn't that a catalyst for all my sins? We hunger for something more, something other. And standing before the tree, laden with fruit withheld, we listen to Eve's murmur. In the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. But in the beginning, our eyes were already open. Our sight was perfect. Our vision let us see a world spilling with goodness. Our eyes fell on nothing but the glory of God. We saw God as he truly is, good, but we were lured by the deception that there was, a, there was more to a full life. There was more to see. 
And true, there was more to see. The ugliness that we hadn't beheld, the sinfulness we hadn't witnessed, and the loss we hadn't known. So the essence of what happens in the garden is ingratitude. God provides what they need, and yet rather than being thankful, they want something more. I want you to think back of your sin issues over the last year. My guess, you can trace them back, most of them, to this very issue. Covetousness, lust, idolatry, lying, stealing, saying things you shouldn't. If you boil them down, their, their roots are really sunk into the soil of not being thankful for what God has done, for who he is, for who you are. Go to Romans chapter one. What's true in the Old Testament is also true in the New. In Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul is diagnosing the sinful condition of humanity. He is helping us to understand what is wrong with the world. And he says this, Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, namely God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. What this means, if you're not a believer, I wanna compassionately tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that the created order screams that God exists and for you to deny him his existence or for you to act as though God isn't real means you have to work really hard to pretend that the creation of the world doesn't tell you there's a creator. For instance, you, you witness the birth of a baby and hold new life, you gotta work really hard to think, yeah, this just happened. There's no divine creator behind all of this. Paul then says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or, here it is, gave thanks to him. So Paul identifies that a lack of gratitude is the essence of what it means for humanity to be lost in their futile thinking. It says, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So what happens is rather than seeing the created world as a means to commune with God, instead we see those things as objects that we either set our affections on or detract from God's glory, and as a result, we use the gifts instead of seeing those gifts as a conduit to tell us something about God and his glory. Last text, 2 Timothy chapter three. When the Apostle Paul wants Timothy as a pastor to understand the nature of the world in which he lives, so he can shepherd people well. He describes the end days, the last days, the season that even now we are in, with the following characteristics. Verse two of 2 Timothy three, four people will be lovers of self, yep, lovers of money, yep, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, and then he says, ungrateful. 
Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the list. I just want you to think with me a moment. If you think ungratefulness warrants being on that kind of list, apparently the Bible does. Because apparently the malfunction of gratitude is the essence of idolatry because everything God has done is meant to be a conduit to tell us something about him. Everything God has done is meant to be the means by which our hearts are brought to the realization of how amazing and incredible God truly is. And this is what makes a heart of gratitude so important. If you're a Christian, it means that when you're grateful, you are doing the very thing that God intended for you to do with the gifts that he's given you. But it also means that when you are not grateful, you are short-circuiting the very thing that God meant to create wonder in you is now malfunctioning and either creating this inward growing idolatry or this sense of bitterness and anger because of what you don't have. So what I want you to do this morning is to think with me about five particular places that you might be in life. So I've got five chairs that represent five different positions. Heart conditions. Let's start here. As it relates to gratitude, some of you are unaware meaning you just haven't thought about gratitude in a long time. You know that God gives gifts. You know that you probably should be thankful, but you're just living your life busy, active, and you're just not very aware of how much God has done. And you need this message today just to simply kind of wake you up and go, you know what? I got a lot to be thankful for. Like I complained last week or I haven't seen all these things. Like I, need, like I just need to kind of wake up and be more aware. And maybe you're in this seat. Some of you though are in another seat where instead of being unaware, you're actually ungrateful. Meaning, you know you receive gifts, you know you receive kindness from the Lord, but you just aren't saying thank you. Either you think you deserve them, or just because of the habit of your life, you've just sort of begun a pattern of thinking, you know what, I have received these gifts, and yeah, these are pretty normal things, and then when something is taken away from you, oh man, then something goes crazy in your soul, because then you start getting mad and angry. I gotta find the bitter person, hold on. There we go, here, here, here he is. And suddenly now, you become bitter, because gratefulness in your life has not only malfunctioned, you're actually at a point that you think you deserve more, and so what your position is, you're not unaware, you're not ungrateful, you're angry. Because you think you deserve such and such, so gratitude, awe of God, is a long way away. You're in a seat today where you're just frustrated and angry, and maybe it's not across the board, but it's particular things in your life, and you're like, no, I deserve this, how come they can have this and I don't have this? On the other side of the equation, moving positively from being unaware is being responsive. And my hope is that you'll move through the course of the sermon series along this continuum and that you'll be a person who's responsive, that this week you'll think about the grace gifts that you've received and you'll start practicing Eucharisto. You'll say, gift, good, grace, good. When you see grace, you'll say thanks. You'll start recognizing God, thank you for this and thank you for that. Start being more and more responsive so that the ultimate goal would be that gratitude is not only something that you say, but it now creates an unbelievable level of worship in your soul. Where you look at God's gifts 
And you not only say, God, thank you for a sunrise, but it's unbelievable that you make sunrises like that. God, I thank you for my church and people that I'm with because you are the creator of so much beauty and diversity and God, there's people who have cared and loved and on me. God, that's a gift from you. And my hope is that some of you will move from a position of bitterness or ungratefulness or just being unaware to responsive, actually leading to worship. Because at the end of the day, what gratitude is, it is amazement with God. And God has given you gifts already this morning designed to move you here. And the question is, and this is what I want you thinking through, in which of these seats does God find you today? I want you to bow your heads with me and I want you to think about that question. And I want to issue you a challenge. I want you to think about these seats, covetous, ungrateful, unaware, responsive, and worship. And I want you just to pray before the Lord and evaluate which seat does God find you in today. And then here's the challenge that I would offer to you. I want to challenge you for the next six days in the morning and at evening to write down five things in the morning on a sticky note, five things in the evening on a sticky note, and put those in the back of your Bible so that by the end of this week, you'll have recorded 60 graces over which you have said, God, this is good. 60 unique graces, don't repeat them. Take five in the morning, five at night. When you get up, take a sticky note, put it on the mirror, write down five things for which you could be thankful. When you go to bed, five things where you've seen God's grace today. And I'm telling you, for some of you, over the next week, your whole perspective on what God has done in your life could radically begin to shift. You know, God knows where you are. No hiding from him. And maybe, just maybe, this is part of a way in which God, by his grace, will help you move to become a person who sees the grace of God more clearly. So are you bitter? Are you ungrateful? Are you unaware? Responsive? Do you worship? When you see grace, say thanks. Lord, help us this week to begin to have a turning, a changing of our minds and hearts towards gratitude and grace. Lord, use these five things in the morning, five things at night in order to remind us of all that you have done and continue to do. God, we thank you for your grace gifts to us. We pray this in Jesus' name.